welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back. Thank you for listening and making commitment to your learning. We both hope that you are doing well. Uh, I am one of your podcast hosts, Yvonne Brandenburg, and I am joined again this week with the lovely Jordan Porter. Hi. <laughs> I kind of love that we say that to each other every week. It's like a little, well, that tech boost. <laughs> I know. Well, and it also proves that we neither one of us died from the coronavirus from traveling <laughs> not yet although i'm not joking i got sick on the plane ride back and i thought everybody thought i had the corona and i googled what the coronavirus um symptoms were and i did not have it i just had a head cold which whatever it's fine but i think people got freaked out and then everybody at work was like oh geez the coronavirus and i just I'm, you can't see me, but I'm seriously shaking my head right now. And I, <laughs> I really, I don't want to, we're, we're internal medicine. I don't want to go into that crazy. Just wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully you guys do that between all of your patients and clients anyways. It was funny. Cause I was, <laughs> I was thinking about when you were here in my house and like, I was like cooking breakfast or whatever. And I washed my hands <laughs> in between like touching everything. And you're like, Man, you can tell you're a vet tech how much you wash your hands. And I was like, it's so true. Like, I feel I guess, like we wash our hands a ton because we're like, ew, that's gross. Ew, that's gross. I'm yeah. not cross-contaminating that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize like how much. Yeah. But it was like every time I touched some bacon, I was like, okay, well. Oh my God. Me and my girlfriend. So she's a, she's a vet and it's funny because she does the same thing. She kind of freaks out about like handling raw meat and then anything else in the kitchen. And it's very like. We use like uh, Clorox wipes on everything. Oh, see, I was just trying to be nice because I was cooking for you. (laughs) I'm not normally that like, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I would touch it and then I would touch the tongs and I was like, well. Oh my God. Well, I did not die of, what is that? Salmonella. Salmonella, E. coli or whatever. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. But they were very good hamburgers, by the way. Thanks. Super random, but. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so this week, uh, we are going to be talking about red blood cells. Um, and just a disclaimer, <laughs> cause, cause it was very difficult for me not to do this. This is not the IMHA episode cause, mm-hmm. cause all of you out there know we will for sure have an IMHA episode, um, because that's, it is a very specific mm-hmm. disease and how you treat it and all that. So this is going to be red blood cells and some of the common things that, that we do both for too much red blood cells and not enough red blood cells. Um, cause otherwise if we went down the IMHA path in this episode, I think it'd be like five hours long. So probably, I think, um. <laughs> I think this entire series is going to be like bits and pieces until we do like the specific diseases. Like yeah. we just got to gradually work into it. <laughs> right. We do have to establish some basics first. Yeah. And, and our then, basics episode actually did really well. <laughs> I was, I was a little surprised. I think I, I sent you a message and I was like, holy yeah. crap, I think this one, like everybody really liked it. So hopefully after listening to it, people still liked it. So I, hope um, so. I mean, like it was super basic, but I, it's just like, you can't, 
just dive into these topics. Like we have to. Yeah. You do have to set up the foundations in order to know and understand stuff like IMHA or like the coagulopathies that we'll be talking about. So yeah, we definitely, we definitely had to do that. And kind of along those lines, um, in our Facebook group, our, so internal medicine for vet techs podcast, um, group, we did pose, you know, this week's question from last week, from the last episode, which was episode 21. Um, it was, what is your favorite part of hematology? And, um, it was great because we had quite a few responses, which is fun. I know. Um, I love that. So Anne is, uh, Anne is pretty awesome. If you haven't met her in person, she definitely, um, she speaks at conferences and I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think she's a teacher. Yeah. She's a teacher at one of the universities, which is really cool. Um, so her favorite thing about hematology is making the perfect blood smear. And which I think, preach. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, especially, oh my God, especially if you get it like the first one, you're like, oh, oh yeah. the hematology gods are smiling upon you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jennifer Cowell, um, also making and reading blood, uh, blood films. She apparently has a knack for it, which is an amazing skill to have. Mm-hmm. Shanna, she's, um, <laughs> so cute because she's one of my former students and I love her. Um, so when you see the PCB double, it's original value and it's holding, oh my God, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. And also seeing like platelet counts greater than a hundred thousand autoglutination happening before your eyes and all those other abnormalities that we love seeing. And then Matt, it's really funny because Matt and I did have this conversation, um, through email. He says, memorizing all those reference ranges, not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I remember in school we had to memorize the reference ranges and mm-hmm. it's so funny because now in practice, I'm like, well, it depends on your blood machine. So mm-hmm. there's basic reference ranges that we kind of know, but each machine is going to be a little bit different. So just make sure you're looking at your, your machine. But yeah, unfortunately you do have to memorize reference ranges for um, your boards. So mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, Matt, but we agree because I hated memorizing that. Um, so yes, we had, um, some good comments and you're welcome to keep commenting on our Facebook podcast group because we've got some really good shares from quite a few people, which is cool. Yeah. That, that page is definitely getting more and more interactive. It's great. And then we did have an Apple podcast review, which Which is great. We love (laughs) from Brandon underscore VT student, um, amazing podcast. I am a current veterinary assistant at a neurology practice and in, in school online working towards my RVT. I love this podcast. All caps, by the way, love. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tuesdays are my new favorite day of the week by far switching from an ortho to a neurology practice. This has been so helpful in learning about cases we're seeing. Plus, this has been a huge help for tech school. Thank you so much for the great content. Please keep it up. Which I know. That one like tugged at my heartstrings a little like, bit. Really? I was like, really? I'm like, you're a neuro and we're helping you with that. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and so. to like, I don't know, Tuesdays are now his new favorite day. That's amazing. I thank you, Brandon, for the awesome um, Apple podcast review. It's, it's super cool. Um, and I don't know, did you, did you see, um, our rank? I think it was yes. last week. We were at like 98 or something like that. Yeah. I was like, I was like sweet. We were like, now granted it was like one day <laughs> So <laughs> because Apple podcast is ever moving every day. But I think on Tuesday we, we hit like the low one hundreds for, 
it, yeah, no, it's not all of Apple podcasts. It was, um, the U S mm-hmm. in medicine, I believe, which is yes. pretty cool because there's some, there's some pretty amazing, um, podcasts in that category. So well, that, and like that includes human medicine too. So yeah. it was like, it was pretty amazing to be in the top 100. Like yeah. those. Now, of course we're not there now. So, no. you know, but, but we did for one day, we were there top 100 in medicine, which is, cool. I'll take it. <laughs> right? Totally take it. And then I don't think, I don't think I got any emails this last week with questions that we needed mm-hmm. to answer. And I don't think you did either. So yeah. So thank you guys. We love, we love the interaction. <laughs> Jordan and I geek out all the time about that. So, uh, yay. Thanks guys. <laughs> and thank you, Brandon, the vet tech student for mm-hmm. the podcast review. All right. So if there's no other questions, I guess we'll uh, dive into this week's topic. So this week we're going to be discussing red blood cells and their abnormalities. Um, Yes. Yeah. Not in too much detail because that's coming. No, it's very broad. um, And I had to... All the abnormalities you can (laughs) see with red blood cells. Yes. Um, And I, and I did reference um, a few books. So of course the vet tech Bible. So Linda Merrill's The Small Animal Internal Medicine for Veterinary Technicians and Nurses. Book. Yes. This this one that I have in a binder. Not that you can see it. I I really need to take a picture of this behemoth yes. and share it with you guys because because yeah, if you're studying, this is a really good way to study and keep your things together. Mm-hmm. And I and I use it all the time in my practice. Like mm-hmm. I, I reference it. So uh, but yes, so Linda's book, I think also like Ettinger and some of those other ones that are required reading for your BTS and internal medicine. I had some pages that um, I had taken out earlier that just talked about general anemia and stuff. So we'll put the, we'll put them in the show notes, um, some of the links. So uh, one of the things about red blood cells we are normal packed cell volume. So when we do our PCD tubes and spin it down, normal is 35 to 55%. So of your total blood volume, right? 35 to 55% is going to be red blood cells. The rest is going to be your plasma plus your white blood cells. And white blood cells is usually a very thin layer. I think it's Mm -hmm. what one to 2% is Mm -hmm. usually kind of where you're at. So, and that's called the Buffy coat. It's pretty amazing to see when you, like when a dog does have a high white count and you see that huge Buffy coat and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) like, what is that? And then you're like, oh, you look at the CBC and you're like, okay, well, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's not normal. Or those patients who like don't have white blood cells and you're like, where's your Buffy coat? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You should have something here. (laughs) there's no white line. Where did it go? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, you know, we, we did talk about this in last week's episode. So the, the red blood cell really, you know, it's, it's big job is to carry oxygen and CO2 to and from the cells in the body. So cellular respiration, um, because (laughs) without oxygen, things get mad. What do you mean? Oh, you turn blue. It's fine. Nope, nobody needs oxygen. Nah. And, <laughs> and the CO2 is also really important to get rid of because remember that's the waste product of the cells. Um, so that needs to get out of the body so that it attaches to the red blood cell, goes to the lungs, we breathe it out. Um, 
that's also super important because you can have a buildup of CO2, which makes you more acidotic. So um, there's respiratory acidosis um, mm-hmm. or metabolic acidosis. And that's kind of, you know, that's part of it. So the red blood cell is really important with that. And the cellular membrane, you know, we want to make sure the cellular membrane is intact so it doesn't break down. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit more too in our IMHA episode, Mm -hmm. um, kind of more about what happens to cellular membrane. But that's, you know, we we did talk a lot about the the red blood cells Mm -hmm. last episode. So if you need a quick refresher, go to episode 21, which is the hematology episode. So then <laughs> got to break this down. This is a hard breakdown. I had to figure this out for you. <laughs> I know, right? So we kind of, we know, so the disorders of red blood cells, we're going to start with anemia. That's mm-hmm. like the big one that we see. That's mm-hmm. what we see the majority of our disorders of red blood cells. And so that's a percentage less than 35%. Usually mm-hmm. we'd had, we had this conversation though. We'll get referrals over for a PCV of like 33 34. And I'm like, mm. yeah, <laughs> yes, technically you have anemia, but you know, it, and I, it's good to try to research like why Yeah, prior to it becoming 10. That's fine. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But there it's are, like, I guess too, like I will, okay, I'll play devil's advocate. Like if you've got a patient long-term in your clinic and like their normal PCV is 55, like you've got documented yes. over years, it's always 55. And then they come in, they feel poopy and they're 33%. Yes. Yes. Totally understand that. But like, you know, if they're doing well otherwise, like this is, again, it's that art of practicing medicine where you mm-hmm. kind of have to put more than one puzzle piece together, which mm-hmm. drives people crazy. Right. Um, well, yeah, because nobody wants to spend money when you're like, well, let's just see what this number does in a week. Right. They want and then answers it's back up to 37. Now. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Which I guess I get because there's been several times where I've had blood work done and my hematocrits, like it was, I think one time it was like 29 and I was like, nobody's going to mention this to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's fine. We'll see what happens next literally, time. Literally nobody said anything. And I was like, okay. But then turns out like when I look at my blood work, like, that's my normal. But then again, I'm kind of like now with everything going on with me, I'm kind of like, that's not normal. <laughs> huh? But nobody ever says anything. They're like, yeah, you're just mildly anemic. I'm like, but it says normal's 37. Yeah. You know, in, in, and sorry, this is a random tech tangent right here. We sometimes will get transfers or mm-hmm. um, calls from patients of, or not, our patients are not calling us. Our clients are calling us and they're like, yeah, we had blood work run at our primary vet and they just didn't go over it. They said to call you. And I'm like, yes. that's not how that works. Like, yes, that happens like if they run day. it, they are, they are, well, in California, they're legally bound to interpret those and give you the results. Yeah. You yeah. Know? We get that a lot too. And so we, we tell the clients very gently, <laughs> we're like, you know, they, they did do that and they should be interpreting it for you. I would mm-hmm. call them. You can, they are welcome to call us and speak to the doctor here yeah. to discuss the case. But if you're, and I don't want to be like, if you're making money on it, that is your job. Interpret. Like that's not our job unless you want yeah. us to charge to interpret and talk to your client. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> tech rant. Yeah. But 
<laughs> and and the other thing we'll get to is is similar to what Jordan was saying, where you know you see this chronic abnormality in the lab work, and nobody's talked to a client before, and you know you don't see documentation of it. Mm-hmm. It's not documented. I'll take the client's word for it that they never got talked to about it. So, yeah, exactly. Well, versus happens, if you see like, like documented and the client's like, they never talked to me. And I'm like, mm, but they did. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like those times when they're like, nobody's ever told me that my dog had a heart murmur. And I'm like, mm, except we did. And they recommended seeing a cardiologist, but yeah. Fine. But I mean, it happens. Cause like I said, it happens in human medicine all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like it's- for sure. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> we got off topic. We're totally got off topic. So anyway, regenerative anemia is my mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah. So because, yeah, because it's good for you. <laughs> yeah. Because it means the bone marrow is responding to being like we talked about last week, um, that your bone marrow gets stimulated to make more red blood cells when you're hypoxic or when mm-hmm. the pet's hypoxic. And then so new red blood cells in, will begin forming and circulating throughout the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So this is where you'll see like those nucleated red blood cells on your smear or reticulocytes, which require a special stain. Um, that we use the new methylene blue stain for. And that actually Although, takes like. I, from, I don't use new methylene blue and I still see the reticulocytes. I guess it's just like, that's how I train myself to find them. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely get that. We, well, I guess that's because we do smears all the time. Yeah. Um, because the reticulocyte really is a baby red blood cell and the red blood cells when they're younger, they're going to be bigger. They're going to stain like a darker blue color mm-hmm. versus like your classic kind of pinky red that we see on our blood yeah. smears. Um, and so this is like when I, when I tell my doctors, I'm like, I see polychromasia, right? So yeah. multiple colors. So I see the red, the traditional red, I see the darker purpley red. Um, sometimes you'll see like a dark blue, which is kind of crazy. Um, mm-hmm. so, so this is what you're looking for on a blood smear is your reticulocytes. Um, and then kind of one of the things that's interesting is your bone marrow. Um, it typically takes about two to four days from red blood cell loss or destruction for the erythropoietin to kick in and everything to see that rise in your PCV. So the bone, you know, it's not instant, right? So the, the bone marrow starts working in about two to four days, it starts kicking out those red, uh, young red blood cells. And then the peak of once the bone marrow is really, you know, stimulated is seven to 10 days. So like, for example, in our IMHA cases, you know, once we suppress the immune system from attacking the red blood cells, it takes two to four days for us to really start seeing the body kicking in and doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something to kind of keep in mind. It's not instant. You're not going to see it the same day. You have to give the body time. So regenerative anemia is really cool to see. And we, we hope the body responds, right? This is why it's Jordan's favorite. Cause that means things are working appropriately. I know it's so sad <laughs> when we get those like reticulocyte counts and I'm, and it's like, not like, oh, look, it's not, I mean, yeah, there it. are some, but it's not elevated, right? Yeah. Because you, you almost always have a little bit in there yeah. or, or you don't. And then you have a 
bigger problem. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> so that's non-regenerative anemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the bone marrow is not responding. And then, so you're going to see like a lot of old cells mm-hmm. in circulation. And this is too, when we typically like, if we can't see regeneration after a couple of rechecks, mm-hmm. this is when we recommend a bone marrow aspirate, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is always like, it makes me cringe. Like, but I do enjoy that procedure. Yeah. But I don't I'm, like bones. <laughs> like, I'm kind of the both because it is a very satisfying because now you're getting, you know, a core biopsy of yeah. the bone and then they're going to look at the structure and say, you know, are there precursor cells there? Do we have issues at the level of the bone marrow mm-hmm. or which happens? Yeah. Like that was my dog. It was at the level of the bone marrow, which is why she had Evans and not just IMAJ. That, again, we'll talk about that later, but but you see, you know, is there iron deficiency at the level of the bone marrow, right? Mm-hmm. Like the bone marrow needs iron to produce red blood cells. So if you've got like a chronic destruction of red blood cells, that takes a ton of iron. So we'll talk about that um, kind of in the treatment, but you know, you can see that on a bone marrow biopsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of helps determine, you know, do we still have bone marrow suppression? Do we need to, you know, fix that? Like, is it the drugs that are causing it or do we need to add another drug to, you know, kick that? So it's really, yeah. Like Jordan's saying, like, if we're not seeing the, the reticulocyte numbers go up, we're, we're going to investigate further. We may need to add more drugs or change things or, you know, figure out, is there cancer in the bone marrow? So, mm-hmm. you know, we have to figure out what's going on if the body's not responding appropriately. Yeah, exactly. And so there's different types of anemia. So yeah, many it's kind of like <laughs> types and causes for anemia. Yeah. Like all, all the things, <laughs> all, all the things that can cause anemia. Yeah. It, so the, it's, such a, it's a, such a long list. I know. Right. So the, the one that's kind of a, a weird one, I don't, I honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen this, but I've heard of it talked about, which is the, I think I've seen it once. Kinase. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the PK deficiency, the pyruvate kinase, kinase. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. So I'm going to go PK deficiency because that's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually a genetic disorder um, where the, the PK is what helps the red blood cell live a longer time. So it actually decreases the longevity of a red blood cell in circulation. Mm-hmm. So you end up getting anemia because they don't live the normal, what was it? 120 days. I know we yeah. talked about it in the last episode. Um, so the normal length of, of red blood cells, it shortens their lives. So, you know, you get that chronic destruction of red blood cells before they're supposed to, and that can lead to anemia. Mm -hmm. And then of course you have immune mediated, which will gets its own episode. So we're not going to talk anymore (laughs) about that. Um, trauma, of course, like hit by a car and you rupture your spleen. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Or, you know, the dorky lab that runs through the sliding glass door and slices its cephalic artery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trauma. Yeah. Just yeah. trauma. trauma. <laughs> and then, of course, we, we, see, we see a lot of GI bleeds. So, and this can be mm-hmm. from tumors. It can be just <clears throat> from ulcers. It can just be from chronic disease. So that does occur a lot. And then toxins, including like rat bait or envenomation. We see that mm-hmm. a lot. That definitely causes coagulopathies, which in turn causes anemia. 
Mm-hmm. And envenomation could be just to to remember <laughs> this it could be snakes, it could be bees, it could be all sorts spiders. of spiders. Um, they can start, you know, causing red blood cell destruction too. So mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting thing to kind of keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, drugs, including chemotherapy, which we've definitely talked about. That's why we recheck CBCs and mm-hmm. we're looking for like white blood cell abnormalities mostly, but it can cause like a mild anemia, sometimes a severe anemia. I was going to say, because it can cause bone marrow suppression, depending yes. on what drug they're using for chemo. And so if we start seeing them be anemic, we're like, Oh, we're suppressing bone marrow, which is not what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it usually you're right. Yeah. It does also spread over to the white blood cells. Mm-hmm. Most of the times you'll see kind of both of them go into that, but, um, it's just, you know, chemotherapy can do that. Yeah. Estrogens, viruses, bacteria, parasites. So like infections of mm-hmm. any kind. Uh, I know I've seen like you wrote estrogens mm-hmm. and I've seen like, um, like estrogen toxicity kind of thing. Well, I've seen like our, like the pyometras that come in, like aside from a high white count, they usually have a general like mild anemia too, like just Mm. from infection. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's like almost like a twofold on that. Yeah. Because it's like bacteria. Yeah. And And DIC and who knows, (laughs) right? Hopefully not, but. Yeah. And then the other thing too, with like, with tumors, like this is why we do uh, chest x-rays and, and like an ultrasound is we're going to look to see, you know, is there some, you know, giant mass somewhere that's bleeding, you know, whether that's pericardial or, you know, an adrenal mass that's bleeding or, um, you know, a kidney mass, like there's all sorts of masses that just can bleed. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of on the opposite end of, of this is polycythemia, which blows my mind. This disease (laughs) is one of those ones that like, every time I see it, I just, I love to like research it. I love to look at. Yeah. And it's hard to, well, it's not hard, but it, it's not a super common one. Mm -mm. Right. And polycythemia you know, this isn't, this is the, your pet's not dehydrated, right? So the fluid, there's enough fluid in the body. So we, I mean, technically it's called a relative polycythemia. So this is where you've got dehydration and technically the red blood cells are more concentrated, Mm -hmm. but that's easy to fix, right? So we just rehydrate them. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the PCV went from 65 back down to like, 50 because now we're not dehydrated yeah again, it's and it's a can, concentration of red blood cells it's not and and when we i think when it's most seen in like general practice is like our hge patients it's like oh, classic yeah. where they have that hematocrit of 65 or something like that and you're yeah. like holy shit yeah. um yeah but yeah that's like just fluid shifts and then you put on here too so and polycythemia by the way is a hematocrit greater than 55 percent. i don't think we said that technically, yeah technically So um, the other thing that can happen is red blood cell redistribution. So um, let's say a dog got bumped by a car. You don't see anything major, right? But the spleen got hit. So now all of a sudden the spleen goes, oh my gosh, there's trauma. Like there's no bleeding, but the spleen says trauma. And it actually, the spleen contracts and squeezes out some red blood cells. So it's, it's like, we need red blood cells. We have trauma. We're going to go out into the, into the body. So we'll see that, that PCV rise, um, as the spleen just like 
squishes out all those red blood cells. Um, and then there's the absolute polycythemia. Um, and this is, this one, you know, it's, it's, it's where it's not because of being dehydrated. It's not because the spleen pushed out stuff. This is an actual increase in the red blood cells in circulation. So, you know, we're looking at total proteins, total solids to make sure we're not dehydrated. All the other lab work kind of looks the same, but we still have a high PCV. And, and I've seen patients with PCVs of like 75, 80%. And we're like, Oh my God. Um, and the problem with that is that's sludgy blood, right? So it, it there, it's just, it's a problem in circulation. We don't want the blood to be like, syrup. <laughs> we want it to Why be nice not? and fluidy. Yeah. It just, it's a, the body doesn't like that. Capillaries kind of freak out a little bit. Heart's like struggling. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I can't push that. Yeah. So that's that absolute polycythemia. So, and we'll, we'll go into reasons in just a second. So <laughs> one of the big things about history <laughs> for both anemia and polycythemia is it can be any species, any breed, any age. So we're, we're not going to be really going into that. That's more disease specific. Mm -hmm. So we don't, it, this isn't like, we're not predisposed because of one thing or another. Right. So the history for anemia, right. Is we're going to, we're going to ask the clients, you know, is there exercise intolerance? Like, are they all of a sudden kind of lethargic? Do they have pale mucous membranes? <laughs> And this cracks me up because I feel like clients don't, I don't know why, but they don't pay attention to their dog's mouths. Have you ever mm. noticed that? Yeah. They're like, oh my God, it's black. And I'm like, it's always been like that. That's the pigment. Look at the pinkish. I love clients. Yeah. They it's like when bills, they don't, but sometimes I'm like, really, really. It's like, it's when they like, don't notice that they're icteric either. And I'm like, you didn't see that. <sighs> Even my own husband could see that. Right. Well, he's, been, he's been trained by a vet tech to see these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we have a rapid respiration rate. So not as, I mean, yes, it can be panting, but it could just be like an increased respiration rate. Yeah. That tachypnea is sometimes pretty, um, yeah, it's not quite a pant, but it's just like that rapid, like up and down motion. And then plus or minus collapse. Like we have a lot of anemic patients where people bring them in and they're like, they just collapsed in the yard. Um, I have to say I probably, I do see that with like, like immune mediated anemia, but a lot of times I see that occur when like there is like a incidental like splenic mass and the dog was fine and then it ruptured when it was playing out in the yard and then they just collapse, but then they act like, okay. Yeah. I feel like the collapse is more of like an acute change yeah. versus like <clears throat> our IMHAs. It's more gradual usually. Mm -hmm. And so the collapse it's it's more weakness and then they mm -hmm. splat because they just got weak versus a collapse of like, just like, right. Yeah. So that's more like an acute, but, but you can see both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like with the chronic anemia ones, I think like those IMHAs, it's when like, they're like living their own life, their best life <laughs> at 12%. And then they get down to like 4% and they're like, Oh, now I'm weak. <laughs> like, I'm 4 like Dang. Yeah. No. Have you ever Oh, you haven't seen that? Like I've had people bring in like cats and it's like, they were perfectly fine, but then they did collapse oh, and their hematocrits yeah. like finally 4%. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How's this cat not collapsing 8% ago? <laughs> yeah. I think I, okay. I will definitely say, I definitely see that. But 4% is kind of extreme. Um, I think, 
<laughs> I think when I took my dog in, her PCB was uh, eight to ten. Yeah. And it was gradual. Like I would have brought her in if I thought it was scary. But you she weren't paying little... attention to her gums. I no, because <laughs> I mean, she was fine. I no. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's a white dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean it it was really gradual. And so then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. And that's the other thing too, like with clients, is if it is gradual, sometimes you just don't notice it because it gradually changes. And then well, you're yeah. like all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, hold on. Um, well, like you just think that they're tired for like think about yourself. Like yeah. you just think you're having an off day or something like that. And then and you're, you're like, just like, oh, okay, well now it's been like a week. In. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they're not doing anything else like specific. They're not vomiting. They're not having diarrhea. They're still eating. They're just blah. Yeah. yeah. They just show that malaise and they're just like, but they're fine. Yeah. So yeah, that's that whole like acute versus chronic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cause the body is really good about adapting to chronic things, which is yeah, because, not like, great for clients. Because they do just become lethargic. Your heart's like, mm, let's not work as hard right now. I'm tired. Yeah. And yep. so, yeah, they just lay around. So nothing does happen. And then, yeah. um, polycythemia, you see the opposite. You see dark mu- mucous membranes, decreased capillary refill time. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't put it to the tip of my tongue. And then same thing though. You can still see like exercise intolerance mm-hmm. and, and just again, lethargy. You're sludgy. Like yeah. body says, uh-uh. Yeah. And dark mucous membranes, it's like that brick red color. Like it's mm-hmm. just so dark because there's so much red blood cells. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll kind of break it down between causes. Cause obviously causes between anemia and polycythemia are different. What? So I know, right? So the first one is potential causes of anemia. So we've got a lot of them. We kind of talked about them already. So blood loss, mm-hmm. so trauma, right? Decreased production of our red blood cells. So the bone marrow's upset. <laughs> it's not producing them. It's not getting stimulated to produce them. Increased destruction. So immune mediated um, <clears throat> or like parasites that are attaching and destroying them. Right. So Mm -hmm. we have that, um, hemodilution. So overhydrated, I mean, that's, that's easy to correct, but you can see some mild anemia from just being overhydrated. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the combination of these things because sometimes things that come in combos, which is fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's like any anemic patient we put in the hospital, we do expect to see their hematocrit drop (laughs) from just trying to like hydrate them and because you do have to correct some imbalances and yes it's a it's a fine line (laughs) of like fluids versus blood versus just volume of fluids (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then um potential causes for polycythemia we kind of talked about so there's the primary polycythemia bone marrow is overproducing red blood cells despite normal levels levels of erythropoietin and then um so that would be like a myeloproliferative disorder I like that word. It sounds really cool. It makes me sound smart when I say it. Right? Yeah. Sounds like you have a VTS in internal medicine or something. I know. I totally know what this means. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or a secondary. So decreased oxygenation. So you can see that in your chronic heart or lung conditions. Like we see that a lot, I think, with our like pulmonary hypertension patients. Mm -hmm. And then um, renal masses, which these are my favorite. I love renal masses. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Okay. It's, like when I see polythe- 
polycythemia. I'm like, let's do an ultrasound. And I can't wait to look at the right kidney because it's always the right kidney. And <laughs> like, <laughs> it just, oh, uh, uh, yeah. I love it. Like, I love it. Yeah. And well, why the heck would that even be a thing? Jordan. Because it increases erythropoietin production, which increases production of red blood cells. Um, right, because it's that feedback loop. Yes. That we we kind of talked about that in endocrine. Yeah. Um, and the kidneys produce the erythropoietin. Like that's yeah. what they mean. So if you have a mass of cells in the kidney that produce erythropoietin and, and all of a sudden you went from 10 cells to a thousand cells mm-hmm. you're just going to be producing more of it so you're going to be like yeah i'm just going to keep sending it out and the body's yeah. like holy crap okay keep up with that and you can see this with like congenital renal cysts or acquired renal cysts mm-hmm. but i've seen it i think i've only seen it once with like an actual like mass on the kidney and that was i'm assuming it was probably renal lymphoma because it was a cat mm-hmm. and i don't yeah. think they wanted to do anything about it but it was really cool because, like, it was one of those things where we got the blood work and then we repeated blood work and we're like, nope, you're really, like, polycythemic. And then we did the ultrasound and I was like, yes, there's a tumor. And so, like, just to put all those pieces together and, like, my brain instantly went to, like, renal tumor, polycythemia, like, erythropoietin nice. production. And, like, <laughs> it was one of those things where we did all this research about, like, how to check erythropoietin levels, which we'll get to because you can't really do that in the United States. You got to send your samples to to the U.K., but I do, I do love polycythemia when it, when all the pieces just kind of come together, even though it's not necessarily a great outcome for the pet. Um, and then you can also see it secondary to just pets living in high altitudes because you still have that, like there's less oxygen in high altitudes. So you're having that hypoxemia. So that can definitely cause some, some polycythemia issues, but that can be like a normal finding in those patients. So that that's just something to kind of keep an eye on. And I think kind of moving into diagnostics. So technician skills, if anemia is suspected or being noted, and I, I think this agree, I agree with this too, with polycythemia though, too, because your blood is a little bit sludgier. It's just recommended not to do jugular vena puncture and to do pressure wraps because a lot of our anemic patients are prone to throwing clots. So that's why you don't want to stick the jug um, because we don't want to force them to throw a clot and then pressure wraps. Like we use legs in internal medicine. We don't poke jugs because we just assume everybody's anemic or has <laughs> yeah. some sort of bleeding disorder. And like I said, I think that goes for polycythemia too. I know we've done, we've bled cats with polycythemia, but I still, yeah. it still makes me nervous poking a jug because their blood is so sludgy that huh. I worry, yeah. I worry about like, a clotting clot or and, something. Yeah, yeah, and because it's already sludgy. Which is interesting because I, well, I guess so long ago that I did that. We actually did do a jugular like um, on a dog and we'd use like the blood collection t- kits that we had. Yeah. But I mean, you could do this through a catheter as well. Yeah, I guess it just, I don't know. We just don't poke jugs and I am. Yeah, it's really funny because we have oncology um, that shares like the same like workspace as we do mm-hmm. and, they and they poke, poke jugs, jugs on all everything, the time. Right. And so and they can like, hit jugs that look like, like angel hair pasta. Right. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm like, I gotta hit a cat jugular vein. How do I do that again? And, but, but I can hit a spaghetti, like tiny noodle vein. 
I know it, on it, pretty it, much anything on a back leg or a side or a I know it blows my or... mind because I'm just like they poke jugs all the time and they're like no save the legs for chemo and I'm like no <laughs> you're like no no legs save the neck draws <laughs> save the neck for life right like don't yeah I I it is really funny. It's it's a very different mindset. Yeah. And then the other thing with with uh, lab work, right? So obviously our tech, our, our cytology. So we talked about that. So we look for non regenerative anemia, normal staining cells, versus regenerative anemia. That's going to stay all pale, and we're going to see like that polychromasia. Uh, with you know, honestly, I haven't done cytology on polycythemia. So I would think that the cells would look normal in color, mm-hmm. but I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, cause I haven't, yeah, I haven't I done it. I think it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just concentrated. Like I, I think I've done one and it was just one of those smears where I was like, dude, I can't get this like thin enough. And I, it, it, but I'm not good at looking at like bone marrow smears. Like I'm, I don't know what I'm looking for. Right that I don't know. I want to take a cytology course. Yeah. I, I actually, it's funny because I was thinking that I just wanted to like reach out to IDEX and be like, can I spend a couple of days with your clinical pathologist that reviews blood smears <laughs> and just like hang out and learn from them? That's a good idea. I, yeah, I, I want to do that. So with, with polycythemia, um, we want to make, First of all, make sure they're fully hydrated to make sure we're ruling out the secondary fluid shifts, right? And then the other thing we can do is a, a partial oxygen um, concentration. And in primary um, primary polycythemia, your PO2, which is partial um, oxygen, is going to be normal versus if it's secondary the oxygen, the partial oxygen is going to be low. Um, so this would be, I think it's on an EC8, um, chem ISTAT EC8. It's not going to be on your <clears throat> kind of traditional lab work. So that's something that we're going to do, um, look for. With anemia, there's, <laughs> there's 5 million tests that we can run to look for. So um, if you're looking for like an IMHA, there's the Coombs test where we can look for spherocytes or saline agglutination. We would look at potentially do like an iron store. Um, so sample of the blood, look at iron, tick-borne diseases, um, FBLV, FIV. We'll look for toxins. We do clotting factors to make sure it's not like rat bait or DIC. So there's, <laughs> there's a ton of differential tests that can be run for an anemic patient. And, and again, you're, you're kind of looking at the, the full thing with them. The other thing that is interesting is an erythropoietin test which um, it's not available in the United States, but it is in the UK. Um, so, which is kind of cool. I, it, I don't, I guess it'd be interesting to see if we could do that. You can, but you have to send it. So I've researched this a lot. Oh, all right. Polycythemia patients. And it's one of those things where it would end up being super expensive for the clients because we have to get the sample and then we have to freeze it and then we have to ship it like next day delivery, like overnight standard, well, priority overnight with dry ice. So then it costs to more the UK. 
Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think it's in Germany now because we've called about this and they're like, well, yeah, technically, but then we send it to Germany. And I was like, what? I think it's through Bat Labs. Um, and I think they're in, in Germany. But yeah, we priced it out to be able to ship it with like dry ice and, and the sample and priority like overnight to get there because it needed to be there. I think it could only be on the dry ice. Like the dry ice would only last like 16 to 28 hours or something like that, like for a certain amount. It ended up being like $200 to sh- just to ship it that the people were like, nah. And that didn't even include the cost of the test. Like that was just. And I'm sure the test was expensive. Yeah. Because it's so specialized. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to run it, like let's say you lived in Germany and you wanted to run it, you wouldn't charge shipping, obviously. Um, The erythropoietin would be normal in a primary um, polycythemia, but in um, a secondary, it would be increased. So that's kind of. kind of interesting. So treatment wise, um, it's hard because it really depends on, you know, figuring out what is causing your anemia, right? So if it's trauma, stopping the bleeding, like (laughs) obviously, right? Let's put a bandage on it or just cut something off. I mean, all bleeding stops eventually. This is very true, but it probably will not stop the anemia if you just let it go. (laughs) I mean, I guess it'll stop getting worse because then it'll be like zero. Um, (laughs) Eventually it'll stop. Eventually it'll stop. Um, And then, of course, you know, hospitalization versus outpatient care, it'll depend on the level of anemia as far as like how much that patient is affected. So, you know, the first thing we kind of think of is blood transfusions. Um, and we'll probably do an entire episode on blood transfusions. Um, but, but essentially, you know, it's like packed red blood cells versus whole blood. If you have, um, a patient that is normotensive and, you know, is hydrated, then you're going to do packed red blood cells. If you have a patient who, you know, is, is, has low blood pressure, um, or is hypovolemic or needs proteins, then you would do whole blood. So most of the times, um, I think we're doing packed red blood cells in my clinic, but you know, there's, there's reasons to use both. So for, uh, an immune mediated patient, we, we prefer to use fresher samples. So the freshest blood that you have, um, don't use the old stuff because it's going to break down anyways. We want these cells to last as long as possible in the bloodstream um, prior to being attacked. Um, because again, older cells, the body's going to want to get rid of them anyways. And kind of one of the big deals is making sure before any blood transfusion that you are at a minimum doing cross-matching. The reason for that is it used to be kind of old school thought is that obviously cross match for cats um, and you want to make sure you blood type cats because the wrong blood type and you can actually cause an anaphylactic reaction or death with cats because they have circulating um, antibodies for blood types for, for other blood types besides their own. So they will attack those, those red blood cells if it's the wrong blood type. It used to be the thought that dogs had the quote unquote one free blood transfusion. 
there's a lot of studies out now that that is not correct. Um, they may have a similar blood type, but there's so many different um, sub blood types, I will call them, so that you want to cross match it and make sure that they're not going to react because there are a lot of subtypes of blood types that, um, that are showing up that aren't necessarily tested for. So you always want to cross match, especially if you've got immune mediated. <clears throat> now, if you've got a pet that is bleeding out in front of your eyes and they're going to die if they don't get blood, then, you know, we don't do a cross match and we hope we don't get a transfusion reaction. Um, sometimes we treat for, for possible transfusion reaction, but you're monitoring super close for any of that. Um, and again, we'll, we'll talk about blood transfusion, I think, in its own episode. <clears throat> and then another treatment is um, actually darbopoietin. So it used to be that we would give erythropoietin, but um, there tended to be more reactions to it. So we've switched to Darby um, or Darbo, excuse me. And this is usually it's once a week injection under the skin um, until that PCB kind of normalizes. We're back into normal. And then we kind of spread it out depending on how the body is reacting. Um, it usually comes like in a tiny one mil bottle. Um, I like to get it from Walmart Specialty Pharmacy in Florida. So, um, you know, we, we send, submit it to them or we, we submit the request to them and they send it to you or to the client. Um, I, I have this for my kidney cat. And it was hilarious because I know how big a one mil vial of blood or of anything is like, it's a vaccine vial, right? One mil vial. And it came in this giant, I don't know, 20 by 24 box. And it had an ice packet or um, the styrofoam container and ice packs and everything. And it was overnight and it cracked me up because I unpackaged everything and it was the teeny tiny bottle. <laughs> so I warn clients that it's a giant box um, but it's, it's less expensive, at least in our clinic for them to purchase it there and bring it in versus using our stuff, um, which, you know, the markup and all that. Um, so if a patient's going to be on it long-term, it's best to get it from a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. um, but even then a one mil vial at Walmart last I looked was like 250, $270. Yeah, but for there. a cat, you know, that's, a month that's and a half, doses. two months. Yeah, depending on the size of the cat. So we just, you know, it's one of those things. And I think, Jordan, you said you had a local pharmacy that that sold it in the one mil vials that wasn't too expensive. And so so you kind of looked at, at that. Yeah, so we have uh, like a hospital pharmacy down the road that we can get it from like in a pinch, which is nice when we need it, like when we need it same day. Mm. Uh, it shouldn't technically happen. Too often in theory right but i think it's more of just an inpatient thing like my doctor's like no we can get it down the road like right now let's get mm. it now i'm like yeah. we could wait two days no we need it now right so yeah but, and then um i guess we do like weekly pcvs until we yeah. figure out okay we can start spreading it out again yeah exactly which is similar to what we do <laughs> With all the other ones. And then immunosuppressive drugs, obviously. We talk about this a lot. Yeah, and again, 
as needed. <laughs> if you don't need for to the disease, eating, obviously don't. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Iron deficiency is pretty easy, except for those iron injections sting. Like, yeah. Ugh. And they, I, and we do them. I am. Do you do them? Yeah. yeah. And it's always like a large volume. It's never like half a mil. It's always like six mils. And I'm like, so no. two spots. Yeah. That's my favorite on cats. I'm like, Oh God. I'm it's sorry. like vitamin. Yeah. It's like when I have to give vitamin K and I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, especially in like a coagulopic, uh, I mean, a coagulopathic patient. With the, vi- yeah, with the vitamin K. And I have to give like 12 mils of vitamin K and I'm like. <laughs> Two injection sites, great. Well, yeah. that and like, you're bleeding. You're going to yeah. bleed from where I poke you. And like. Yeah. I always have to like apply pressure and stuff uh, after those injections for like 20 minutes. I just yeah. sit in the cage and I'm like. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I, I was going to say, and then with the iron deficiency too, um, my doctor said that if you get a blood transfusion in theory, there is enough iron in that to mm-hmm. not have to give an injection, which I was like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, we don't. Yeah. I, we do iron injections sometimes in our like kidney cats um, when, when they're first kind of diagnosed anemic, just to make sure that they, cause they may not need a blood transfusion. So we give the iron injection <clears throat> and then, you know, if obviously if you do the test and your, and your patient is low on iron, yeah, you give iron injections. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then like, we kind of discussed like if there's a GI bleed, we can give, um, GI protectants, which we give that anyway, just assuming like, it's kind of like, yeah, you want to make sure you don't cause problems. Yeah, exactly. Because we're giving so many things that we do try to like combat nausea anyway. But of course, if they're showing signs of like a GI bleed, like melanin or something or, Mm -hmm. um, or vomiting blood, then we, we kind of double up on it. And like if sucralfate doesn't work well enough, so we'll use barium. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. We don't, do barium super frequently but that makes sense because it coats everything yeah exactly barium is like one of those ones where like sucralfate's just not working yeah yeah so we use barium not super frequently but especially like if you're worried about like something that could potentially perf then obviously we won't use barium Mm, but i mean that's bad anyway like i don't think if we were to i mean how much worse could it make it really like if <laughs> like gut contents versus barium I, yeah i don't know i don't think it'd be worse than one way or the other <laughs> and then um the other thing we we talked about is um yunnan bayao so yunnan bayao is um it's an herbal medication if you aren't familiar with it i'm kind of surprised because it's been pretty popular so it um, comes with like capsules and then there's the emergency red tea pill in the middle of it. Um, and <laughs> Jordan and I cracked up because if you've ever <laughs> read the directions, the directions are amazing. The directions are, are my favorite part because you have this thing where it talks about, you know, if you have um bleeding from a stagnant wound what mm-hmm. was it boiling water it, yeah like take <laughs> with boiling water like and the then, risks of like how to take that medication according to the instructions seem a lot worse than like being stabbed yeah <laughs> like, well, but but honestly my favorite my absolute favorite part is when you're reading it and it's like for um gynecological 
bleeding take with red wine yeah (laughs) and i'm like i'm like don't give your dogs red wine but if you take this take it with red wine (laughs) so i guess that's a different question i guess i don't remember reading that part so it's like oh my god i love it you have to reread it i have a copy of the instructions in my desk because i think it's amazing every time i I just i just know the whole like if you're stabbed take the red pill yeah 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 and there's um i i have like the dose we mock it but it works we do mock it but it (laughs) and and there's also um i don't know if you've used it um it's like powder and like a little um vial but you we've used it for rhinoscopy so you can actually mix it with a little bit of water and shoot it up the nose i we've i think we've done that once when we just couldn't get the bleeding to stop after rhino like it was a really bad tumor and so we sprinkled some up there which have you ever like smelled it yeah it smells like patchouli which i call hippie funk and so i'm sorry if i offended anybody out there who uses patchouli but it's hippie funk. Well, but it like, it sticks like the smell, like I mixed it with Ugh. water one time for this dog that I couldn't get to just like take a pill. So I mixed it with water and it was, I was like, Ooh, God, what did I do to you? Cause like now it's on it's me. Everywhere. It's disgusting. It's and it smells funk. bad. And yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. but it works. Like we've used it for pericardial effusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we our, talk about like our oncology. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our, our, our oncology department um, just gives it to everything that bleeds. It's yeah. Like masses, anything, but actually pre-treating for a rhino. That's yeah. We've talked about doing it and how often we actually remember. Well, because a lot of times we try to, we try to do our CT rhinos like same day. Right. And, and we're giving oral stuff. No, but we potentially could. Mm. I mean, like, because usually our consults are in the morning and then we do the CT rhino later in the afternoon. Um, Interesting. I might have but to there talk are, to my doctors about that. But there are ones where we're like right now, the way we're trying to do it is we're trying to see those appointments on Tuesday and then schedule the CT rhino for like Wednesday. So like we mm. could, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to my doctors about that. Hmm. Yeah. We just, hmm. Hmm. we just haven't yet. Anyway. And then kind of like what to expect at home. So client communication. Like, client communication. We're uh. only going to. We're only going to briefly touch on it because we'll talk about it more, obviously, in detail with her disease. Disease, yeah, yeah. But obviously, like, we want to keep pets quiet, depending on the situation. Like, if the dog has a splenic mess and they're just waiting for surgery because it hasn't ruptured yet, like, keep the dog quiet. Don't Mm -hmm. let him go jumping up onto like onto things that could he could hit and then rupture that splenic mass. Yeah. Yeah, or if they are just like generally anemic and like it's starting to become regenerative. Like just keep the pets quiet the majority of the time. Monitor gum color, monitor for melanin or frank blood, um, monitor like appetite, eating, drinking, coughing. Think monitor <laughs> the patient right. at home. Like keep an eye out and just inform clients like what to look for. Like you want to see tell them like, well, this is where their gum color is now. We want it a little bit pinker than this, but mm-hmm. like just kind of talking. And then long term goals obviously quality of life is important fixing it yeah Yeah. and again it so depends on what causes the anemia or the polycythemia yeah like do we have bleeding disorders immune mediated uh trauma it 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 all depends (laughs) yeah 
Because trauma is likely going to be resolved, and that's an easy. Yeah. But, you know, like. Then you have, like, the one recheck, and you're like, good, all right, have a great life. <laughs> See you next time you do something dumb. Right. Yellow lab. Oh <laughs> like, I like how we blame the yellow labs. We're like, yeah. yellow labs. They run well, into things. Yeah. Yeah. Who, I, who wouldn't? Because those are the ones that we are going to get like splenic masses too. So I'm just like, <laughs> <"That's> true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you when you come back for your spleen right, <laughs> or your leg yeah. or right? your larpar. <laughs> oh my God. Poor yellow labs. <laughs> anyway. And then follow up again, depends on the situation. Yeah. So it's the tip of the week. <laughs> Review your polycythemia and your anemia causes. Yeah. Yeah. Reviewing just to see, because I mean, the doctors are going to be doing this when they're working up the cases. So understanding kind of what we're looking for um, and why is, is always good because then like you can talk to your doctor and be like, Hey, what about, you know, Mm -hmm. this thing over here? And they go, Oh yeah, cool. And then, and then you feel like you're part of the conversation. Well, think about like, you have think about when your appointment comes in and you see either that polycythemia or anemia like make a list of differentials in mm-hmm. your head talk to your doctor about it like they could yeah. think like toxin or something or immune mediated and then you just say well hey what about this like what if it's yeah and i was going to say i think a good kind of here's a secondary tip of the week too for people not just in specialty but also in general practice if you see that a patient is pale don't poke the jugular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because I've seen patients come in where all of a sudden they have a giant bruise where they mm-hmm. got poked earlier. Um, don't do a cystocentesis because, mm-hmm. you, again, we don't know why they're anemic. It could be they got into rat bait. It could be, you know, uh, a spider bite. It could be all these things. So, And those big bruises cause more blood loss. Like, so right. you're potentially causing more anemia issues. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I definitely think that's a good tip. And now for the question of the week, I will say my question for the week is what cause of anemia are you wanting to know more about? And don't let us influence you. (laughs) So, but I would love to know what you guys would want to have more information on. So we're going to do like this series that we're doing on hematology is, is the basics. And then at some point we're going to do deeper dives into specific diseases. Mm -hmm. So let us know what kind of diseases you'd like to know more about. Um, And then We'll, we'll make episodes about it because yeah can because we can do what we want jordan <laughs> <laughs> we run this show that's right well actually yeah for now but if you guys want to run the show cool <laughs> i'm down for that <laughs> that's true that's true so yes tell us about like what blood disorders you're specifically wanting to know about and we'll throw it on the list because right now obviously we have our list in mind yeah. of what we're gonna do but but it changes it does change pretty does frequently. Change. We're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that next week. <laughs> well, that and like we get into that point where we're like, mm, we don't have enough content for this or we have too much content for this. Let's yeah. push this back. Like, So let us know. Um, there's plenty of places to reach us. Of, of course, like our internal medicine for vet techs podcast uh, Facebook group page is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our email. You can email us at podcast at internal medicine for vet techs.com. Yep. And then 
our website, of course, you can leave comments there, but I think the Facebook page gets a lot more traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we try to respond pretty quickly. If you've sent us an email and we haven't responded, we apologize. Like some things sometimes just get kind of shuffled yeah. in the mix. Email us again because yeah. it was not intentional. I know we were having some problems with people getting like their passwords and I think we corrected it. I heard from one person who tried it again and then I never heard back. So, oh, okay. Like I heard, like she was like, well, is it supposed to be immediate? And I, I, I think so. I told her to give it some time and then let me know. Yeah, so, it should be. Um, so, so what Jordan's talking about is if you sign, go to our website, so internalmedicineforvettechs.com and you sign up for our uh, newsletter, which is, which, you know, you get access to our treasure trove. Um, just make sure that you, um, go to your email and look for the confirmation email and, and hit confirm because without you confirming that you want to hear from us, you know, legally we're not allowed to email you, um, with our newsletter list because we don't want to spam people. Um, so just make sure that you, you, you hit approve and put us like in your white list if you know what that is. So it doesn't go to your spam folder. Um, cause I've had that happen as well. So if you don't find it, just look in all the folders. Um, and you should get an email pretty quickly, pretty immediate for after you sign up. And again, if that doesn't happen, let us know. Mm-hmm. And then kind of on a side note, I, I want to say this, um, we, it is, it is conference season, by the way, in case mm-hmm. you haven't heard of this. Um, it is March currently. I, Jordan and I, we, we decided we are going to be supporting the California RBT symposium, which is the end of this month. So if you're in California and you want to go to the CARFTA symposium, um, I will definitely be there. We are talking to them currently to get a booth. So you can definitely stop by, say hi. Unfortunately, Jordan won't be there. I wish she was, but, but she won't be there. That's so that's in April. If you're in the San Francisco Bay area, um, I am going to be at the Sage symposium, which is March 29th. Um, I'll be both speaking and I'm hoping to have a table. Um, we're still kind of working on that. Uh, but I will definitely be there. So if you want to say hi, I would love to say hi to you guys. Um, and, and meet in person and, as long as I'm not speaking and don't have anywhere to be, I will hang out. And I think there's cocktail hour afterwards and I'd be happy to meet up with you guys. So I think that's the conferences. ACVIM, if you're going, definitely let us know because we will for sure be there. Um, and we're hoping to do something kind of fun with everybody else as well. So we'll get more details out as soon as we can. So yeah, a lot coming up. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, anything else you can think of for this week before we head out? I don't think so, but yes, we look forward to hearing from everybody and I think that's it. I think that's a wrap. So we will talk at you guys next week. All right, you guys have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on and keep being that rock star technician that you are. Um, Cause we all, we know every single one of you out there is a rock star technician. So yeah, have a great week guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast. 
If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.